End-of-life discussions. End-of-life conversations have a host of benefits for patients and their families. They provide opportunities to explore and define the kind of care we want as we approach death. But these conversations mean confronting the limits of medical and palliative care and the reality that life is finite. And for many, they can also trigger mental and emotional distress. So it's no surprise that many doctors and patients are cautious about talking about death and often avoid or delay these conversations till the last minute or until it's too late. In a large, often cited study named Coping with Cancer, nearly two-thirds of terminally ill patients said they'd had no conversations with their doctors about their end-of-life care, despite having only four months to live. The study also found that one in three patients who did have these end-of-life conversations with doctors were more likely to accept that their illness was terminal. These patients also voiced a preference for treatments that focused on relieving their pain and discomfort in preference to choosing life-extending therapies. There were other benefits too. Patients who had end-of-life conversations with doctors were less likely to be resuscitated had less depression and worry, and were less likely to end up in an intensive care unit or to have aggressive medical interventions near death, such as intubation and mechanical ventilation. Also, six months after these patients had died, their families were less likely to be depressed and felt more prepared for their loved one's death than families of patients who didn't have end-of-life conversations and who endured aggressive medical interventions near death. Said another way, people who have practical conversations with doctors about their preferences for their end-of-life care seem more likely to die, quote, a good death, while sparing their families a lot of preventable heartache and distress. While these findings mightn't be surprising, they're not well known or discussed, either in healthcare circles or in the wider community. Even if they were, it's still likely that they'd still be unwelcome. Our compulsion for finding a fix for death means we're ignorant and afraid to talk about what we might want until it's too late. And beyond specialties like palliative care, there's almost no discussion about end-of-life conversations. But the costs are heartbreaking. If you have any doubt, watch Extremis a documentary that shows the devastation experienced by three dying patients and their families because they didn't speak up sooner about life and death choices. The question is, when your days are numbered, do you want to have serious medical interventions that you didn't choose yourself? Do you want your kids and loved ones forced to make life and death choices for you because you didn't speak up sooner? Do you want them to live with the consequences? Stories about families burdened by making life and death decisions for their loved ones are far too common. So are stories of doctors taking matters into their own hands, sometimes against the wishes of patients and families. The tragic case of Marlise Mignonz, a pregnant 33-year-old woman, is a case in point. A day after she collapsed at home, Mignonz was declared brain-dead by doctors. But against her family's wishes, doctors kept her body on ventilators 
because they said they had a legal duty of care to her unborn 14-week-old baby. In 2014, teenager Jahima Garth was declared brain dead after complications from what should have been a routine tonsillectomy. Authorities at the Children's Hospital in Oakland wanted to turn off the 13-year-old's artificial life support, but her family resisted and transferred her to another facility where her body was maintained by a mechanical respirator. These examples are just two of many such cases that add to the debate and controversy about defining death, including brain death. They also highlight the catastrophic costs of prolonged life despite the high emotional and financial costs to families, health carers and health insurers. It's estimated, for example, that 30% of all health care dollars are spent on medical efforts to prolong people's lives, with 80% of that money spent in the final month of life. A lot of this heartbreak and expense happens because most of us haven't made a living will or told someone about it. Now is your opportunity to speak up about what you want and don't want before it happens. Some people want the full treatment, no expense spared, intervention at all costs. Others want a quiet dignity that spares them prolonged pain and trauma. The internet makes it easy to create and register a living will, also called an advanced care directive, and to appoint a healthcare proxy. If we all did this and talked to our family about our choices, we could lighten the load for everyone, not least ourselves, but especially our loved ones.